Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. This is, this is Advent season, right? Advent is, is the preparation time of King Jesus, that beautiful nativity scene that we've all uh, probably heard of. You might have, maybe someone in your neighborhood has one. My, someone in my parents' neighborhood, I don't know why my parents don't have one, but they're founding <laughs> pastors, but someone around the corner from that, they have an elf. They have Buddy the Elf in front of their house, but their neighbors have a nativity scene in front of theirs. Something's wrong in the wild house, dad. Kidding. His, grand, his grandsons had money to go to Target, and guess what they chose? Buddy the Elf, a blow-up <laughs> version. Uh, but this is a season of Advent, and um, it, I hope today, and my prayer today, is that this would be a day, and the next, what are we, close, to, we're almost to the 12 days of Christmas, we almost get to sing that starting, what, tomorrow? Um, we have about 12 days to really start preparing, if we haven't already, prepare ourselves for the coming of the King. The King. The King is here. Come on, Jesus is king, the king of the world, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That is why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas and we will forever and always celebrate Christmas because of the king. And Matthew 2, as, as Miss D so beautifully read this morning, reminds us that it's all about the king. And when the wise men saw him, what did they do? They fell down and worshiped him. So this is a season of Christmas. Come on, who loves Christmas? I love it. I love everything about Christmas. I love the Christmas music. No one else? I was told we don't get to sing the Christmas carol game at any of our Christmas parties anymore because I probably, because Kirsten and I always win and people are tired of us beating them. Um, I love all Christmas music. Uh, I love, I, I honestly have Sirius XM in my car, the XM radio, just for Christmas music. You know how, because it comes on around November, it comes early. And um, I tolerate XM radio the rest of the year, but during November and December, it shines, right? And I will pay for that subscription so that I can listen to like 16 channels of Christmas music. I mean, I am listening to Christmas music in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but I will listen to that station. Oh my gosh, it's great. You know, they got soul Christmas, you know, they have country Christmas. The Holly Channel's great. It's a good variety of them all. My favorite is probably the traditions. It's like the Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, you know, come on. I love it. I love the Christmas music. I love Christmas movies. Who loves Christmas movies? Oh, I got some claps for that. Okay. Um, I guess there's a debate going on. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's just people I know on Instagram. There's a debate over wh- which is the better Home Alone, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2. I think that's hilarious that's even a debate. It's Home Alone 1 is by far the best. Home Alone 2 is great. Like, come on. It was a great sequel. But come on. You cannot compete with Home Alone 1. Am I right? Um, there's great, uh, I love, I love cr- the Christmas movies. Growing up though, I, as I get older, I appreciate it's a wonderful life. I do now as I get older, as a child, the most depressing movie there ever has been made. 
Like when my parents would turn, it's like, this is ruining my Christmas. Like, don't make me sad and lonely and depressed to watch. As you get older, you're like, I totally relate, George Banks. <laughs> you know, you're like, I want the old town to give me money too, you know? Uh, it's just, it's so different as you grow up, the traditions of Christmas and the things that you love and appreciate about Christmas. I love all the food. The other night, um, I told my husband as we were leaving the office, I was like, oh, I need to stop at Trader Joe's because Trader Joe's has the great Christmas snacks. Um, in particular, the peppermint, those of you who are new, don't worry, I'll actually preach pretty soon. I just, I just have to get you excited for what we're going to talk about. The Christmas peppermint pretzels, the thin ones, you know what I'm talking about? We go over there. Um, I don't see him in the aisle. I thought this is uncomfortable. So I'm going to ask someone. I'm a little upset about it. I ask a nice Trader Joe's employee. They're very nice there, by the way. God bless you, Trader Joe's. Um, and they, this nice gentleman goes to the back. It took him a while. and That wasn't a good sign. He comes out and he goes, we're out for the season. I was like, the season? I'm like, it's not, it's like December 9th, like 8th. Like, how are we out for the season? So you know I got in the car and I immediately called the Trader Joe's downtown. <laughs> I was like, do you have? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we have those. He's like, I'll put a few bags aside for you. I'm like, oh, my gosh, God bless you. You know, thank you so much. Like, God bless you. He's like, the pretzels lady. Um, And my baby had fallen asleep in the car, so I convinced my husband, we had time. Let's drive there. He goes, I'm not going to drive all the way downtown. I'm like, what else are we going to do? The baby's asleep. Come on. So we drive all the way downtown. I go in. I am delighted. I go to the cash register. She goes, great choice. I go, I know. I had a backup plan in case downtown didn't have them. I went on Amazon, and they sell them on Amazon for quite a price. But you know what? I was willing. Because you have to have the food, the Christmas music, the movies, and lest we forget the gifts. Come on. Do not pretend you don't love the gifts at Christmas. Right? Uh, Especially as a kid. I mean, if there's a kid in the room, let me tell you something. Christmas is all about gifts. You heard me right. We're going to preach about it. It's about gifts. Maybe not the kind you think, but it is about gifts. Uh, I love the gifts. Growing up, though, I was the kid who, and my sister participated. And let me just say, you know, I'm Pastor Chris' sister. He always tells stories about me. And I just don't feel like I get a fair shot at sharing my side, a version of the story. But I'm going to let the Lord speak to you. So I'm, (laughs) instead of telling a bad story about my brother, which he often tells stories about, I'm going to tell a story about myself, okay? That's the kind of preacher I am. So growing up, my parents would go off to work or something, and my sister and I would be home. I don't know where my brother was. He was out in the, ba- in the, in the gym playing, practicing basketball. Pete Maravich, he was doing like dri- dribbling drills or something like that for hours and hours. And my sister and I would notice the Christmas trees are all, or the, the Christmas presents are all n- neatly wrapped under the Christmas tree. So like any responsible, smart, young person, we were going to go get the gift, shake it a little, you know. Just try to get the feel for what it might be, investigate the size of the box, all that kind of stuff. When that didn't really get us what we needed, we just slightly opened like the side. True confessions in church, where are you at? You know you did this at some point. Opened it up, still couldn't really see what the box said. Just maybe opened another little side of it to the point where we opened the whole gift, right? And I remember one time I opened my presents and my mom and dad had come home and I wasn't smart. This is, I wasn't smart about it. I should have just let it go. Instead, I went up to my mom and said, I don't want that Mickey watch, mom. She's like, how did you know? 
doesn't matter how I know, I don't want it. This one, joke's on me. From that year on, Miss Pastor Connie, sweet Pastor Connie, has sent me to the mall every year with her Christmas list and the money to buy everyone's Christmas gifts. This week, sweet Pastor Connie's texting me, have you ordered this yet? Quincy wants this. I'm like, it's all because that one year I opened my Mickey watch and I said I didn't want it. But come on, Christmas really is about all the Christmas things. And it is about the gifts. It is. In fact, it's the Christian tradition that the whole world has adopted. It's from the beginning and the first Christmas story that's about gifts. And, and I love that our world has adopted this beautiful Christmas tradition and Christian tradition of giving and receiving gifts. Where do we get it? We get it from Matthew chapter two. We get it from when the wise men had heard and they saw a star in the sky and they followed the star to the place where King Jesus was laying and they bring him the best of their gifts. That is why Christmas Eve and Christmas Day all over the world, we open gifts. Christmas is about gifts. It absolutely is. And it should be about uh, adorning one another with these wonderful gifts, right? Not just going to Walgreens really quick and getting a gift card because you heard so-and-so got you a gift and you didn't get him something, so you had to get him something really quick. We've all been there. But it's about giving the best gifts. This is Matthew chapter two. This is the story of Christmas. Christmas is about gifts. See, we have this story that Matthew gives us in this beautiful, this beautiful nativity narrative that Luke's gospel doesn't give us. We know Luke, Dr. Luke in Luke's gospel gives us a beautiful nativity story, but he doesn't give us the picture of the wise men. Matthew does. Matthew, who is a Jew writing to the Jews of the day, tells us about these non-Jews. Isn't that interesting? He's not talking about the shepherd boys who probably could have been Jewish boys. He tells us about these wise men, these men from a far off country from the East. They weren't from their culture. They weren't from their world. They certainly didn't understand the significance and culture of the Jewish world like the Jewish people did. And here Matthew gives us this picture of the first worshipers of Jesus and they're the wise men. The ancient world would call them the Magi these wise men who are learned in, in all these skills from astrology and astronomy, which in, the, in that day was one of a kind. They went together to math, mathematics. They were dream interpreters. They practiced magic. They were sorcerers. They were the king's right-hand men who when they needed advice and they needed some particular information, who did they go to? They went to their wise men. They went to the Magi. They went to those and say, hey, I need some, I need some advice. I need some, some uh, uh, information here. Hey, I had a dream. I need you to interpret this. I need some discernment on this. These were the people who came to Jesus and worshiped him first. Wow. And Matthew gives us this picture of these wise men who traveled from the east. Likely scholars tell us, you know where this place that they probably came from was? Babylon. They probably traveled from Babylon. What, we, what, our, what, our, what our, our Sunday school probably didn't teach us correctly was that it was, Jesus probably wasn't a newborn baby when the wise men came. He was probably about two years old. It took them that long to find Jesus. As soon as they saw the star, they started moving towards the place where Jesus was, but it probably took them two years before they came to the place of Jesus. But they spent money and in their influence and their time and their resources to come and seek Jesus, the King. See, 
these, these wise men had heard these stories. How had they heard the stories of a coming Messiah if they weren't Jewish? How did they know the, prophets, the prophecies and what the prophets said? Well, remember I mentioned that these wise men were from Babylon. Do you remember Babylon? Do you remember somebody else that was from Babylon way back in the day that had a connection to the wise men and the Magi? Daniel. Remember King Nebuchadnezzar way back, probably what, what dad, 600, 700 years before Jesus even comes on the scene, I think it would have been when Daniel's um, in Babylon and the, the King Nebuchadnezzar had his dream, remember? And he, he asked for all his wise men to come. This is in Daniel chapter two. And he's like, hey, I need all my wise men to come. I need him to interpret this dream because it's crazy and it's weird and I need some help. And so he asked for all the wise men. None of them could interpret the dream. None of his, his, his top elite wise men could interpret this dream. But then there's a boy named Daniel who could. And Daniel does it not just for himself, but he wants to save all of the wise men of, of Babylon because the king says, I'm going to kill them all. They can't interpret. They're done. That's, that's intense, right? We think we live in a crazy world, you know? He says, I'm going to kill them all because they can't interpret. So D Daniel prays, intercedes, um, uh, gets his boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They pray together. They believe that God's going to give them the interpretation. Daniel goes before the king. Uh, we know the story. He interprets the dream correctly, and he finds favor with the king. Then the king does what for Daniel? He makes him chief of the magi, yeah. chief of the wise men. For the remainder of Daniel's life and for centuries later, Daniel is known as chief of the Magi. He's the one who's instructing them. He leads them. He uh, teaches them. So now I wonder how they learned about the prophets. Now I wonder how these wise men 600, 700 years later have heard the stories of a star from Numbers chapter 24. Because non-Jews wouldn't have read the scripture and they certainly wouldn't have known the prophecies from Isaiah 60. And they wouldn't have known from Micah chapter two, even though they quote Micah chapter two in Matthew chapter two, when they're going to find King Jesus. How did this happen? The chief of the Magi, Daniel. Daniel in his influence and his time in Babylon had taught these people and these men, these wise men, the ones that were considered the most elite of their culture, taught them what to look for and what to see. And when you see it, seek for it with all of your heart. He had taught them to, when you see the star, you go find that savior, you find that king. And he reminds them and he quotes in Matthew chapter two, the, the, and D wrote it or read it earlier. They quote Micah chapter five, verse two, when it says in Bethlehem of Judea, Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. These are the, the wise men saying this. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. They are quoting Micah's prophecy because they know the king is on the move, that there's a king that has been born and is coming to save the world. Then they go on and they know the prophecy of Isaiah 60 verse six. When Isaiah 60 says, a multitude of camels shall come over you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and those of Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense 
and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. How do they know what to bring? Isaiah 60? Yeah. How do they know what, what was the best gifts to bring a king? Wow. Isaiah 60, the culture of the day taught you what to bring the highest level and official and a king would to be gold and frankincense. So here are these, these, um, these men that have been taught and have been uh, shaped and molded for, for generations to know what to look for. At the moment they see the star that Numbers 24 had prophesied, they see and they start seeking after the king. And with them for two years, I, I, this blows my mind, for two years, they must have had a lot of money because they didn't get rid of their gifts by the time they got to Jesus. For two years, they carried these gifts. We don't know how much gold they had. We don't know how much of the incense or, or, or uh, things that they carry, gifts that they have, but they have it by the time they get to Jesus, they present to him the gifts. Christmas is about gifts. And we see the wise men bringing this gold and frankincense and myrrh. They're bringing not cheap gifts. Wow. You ever gotten a cheap gift at Christmas? Have you ever gotten the forgotten gift? Like they forgot you and they just, they, you know, they had extras in the back room, wrote your name on it real quick. The laughter is, is because you've done it, you know, <laughs> have you ever re-gifted? You go to, come on, why do we do these elephant exchange? Cause we got to get rid of stuff. We need to get rid of stuff in our house. We need to clean, sweep through some of our stuff. And we called it, someone genius goes, let's do it. A white elephant gift. <laughs> These aren't cheap gifts. Wasn't, it wasn't a gift that wasn't thoughtful. They were thoughtful, generous, important gifts that were brought to the king. See, gold and frankincense and myrrh were not cheap. In fact, this is what's crazy. Frankincense and myrrh may have been worth more gold than the gold itself. That's how expensive frankincense and myrrh were and how important both of those gifts were. And here we see that these wise men taught from generations down from the chief of the Magi Daniel on what to do and what to bring. Here they come before the king can you imagine, this blows my mind. Can you imagine them coming in to, to a humble carpenter's home and they have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mary and Joseph are probably looking at each other like, well, I knew we were, you know, I know the angel told us it was gonna be a Messiah, but I know we we're gonna get gifts like this, you know? Like amazing. What a humble home all of a sudden is brought in the most elite gifts. Gold were for, that was for kings. Gold wasn't for 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 a carpenter's son. Gold wasn't for a shepherd boy. Gold was for a king. Wow, yeah. And this is what the wise men bring. They bring gold to simplify or signify and be symbolic of his kingship. It was the most precious of metals. Think about this. The most precious of metals is gold. Even to this day, my ring, my wedding rings are gold. One was moving around, let me move it around. They're, it's the most precious. Why do we choose this? Even in, in marriage covenant, it's the most precious. It's, there's value. It's, it's worth something. It matters. It means something. And in the Old Testament world, kings had gold. Gold was to honor kings. King Solomon, remember from the Old Testament, his whole ivory throne was overlaid with gold. 
He had a golden throne. This is, this is what you bring kings. So when the wise men came and brought gold to the feet of Jesus, a two-year-old boy, when they bring it to him, they are signifying and declaring and, and, and telling everyone he is the king and he's not just a king, he's the king of kings. He's the ultimate king as they bring him gold. See, this gift of gold is proclaiming the kingship of Jesus. The one that we've been waiting for. Here they come in and the Bible says in Matthew chapter two, as soon as they saw him, they fell down and worshiped him and they offer him these expensive, valuable gifts. Then they give him frankincense. Remember I said, it's, it's probably worth more than the gold itself. They bring frankincense and frankincense is, is such an interesting um, backstory to it. See, the high priest in the Old Testament would have burned an incense like frankincense in the temple. Uh, and this smoke of the incense, the point of this incense was to fill up the Holy of Holies so that it would be so full of this incense and smoke that there would be no way that the priest would have been able to see past um, the throne so that they, remember, they could not see God. If they came face to face with him, they'd die. So this incense was supposed to fill the whole temple. We, we sing the song. Now, now you know why we sing songs like this, like fill the temple. You know, we sing these songs. You're like, what's it about? It's about filling it with this aroma, this incense that helps us come face to face with God. So they bring him this incense, this frankincense that signifies him being the high priest, the one who now is going to be the one who stands between us and God. He is the one who mediates for yeah, us. Come on, come on. Now we can go straight to God yeah. because we have a high priest yes. in Jesus. The Magi brought Jesus, the frankincense, proclaiming him to be the one true high priest. Yeah. The kings came from, from the tribe of Judah and high priests came from the tribe of Levi. You never had them from different tribes. Only kings came from Judah and only priests come from Levi. And then Jesus comes and he fulfills both in one. Signifying that he is both king and high priest for us people. These two powers combined in Jesus, represented by two gifts, gold and frankincense, proves to us and to the people and centuries later, thousands of years later, that our God, King Jesus, is the one who has come to rescue and save us from a broken world. He is both your king and your high priest. He is both the savior of the world and the one who mediates for you that you can go straight to the throne of grace, to God, and you can run to him and you can run to him knowing he will have compassion and mercy and grace. Both signified by two gifts, gold and frankincense. And then you have myrrh. And myrrh would have been an interesting one. Myrrh would have made Mary look at Joseph like, huh? Because myrrh was, was the embalming oil. It's the oil that they used when someone would die. They would use it to embalm their body, which would bring a, 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 a lovely scent and would also would help slow the decay of the body. It was used for those who were dead. Why would you bring a two-year-old baby? Myrrh. Well, we know. 
because it signified the sacrifice that Jesus, King Jesus would one day make. And I know Mary knew it. Mary had to know it. He wasn't just a king. And he wasn't just a high priest. He was a lamb. See, Christmas is all about the gifts. But the problem is we focus on the wrong gifts for the majority of the Christmas season. We forget that Christmas is all about King Jesus who came to rescue the world, a broken, dying, hurting, broken world. And he came in a form of a baby, (laughs) a helpless little baby to be the sign to the world that God would rescue his world, that he would redeem his people. And he does it through a baby. And he does it, he uses these wise men, these these magi, the wisest of the wise from the Eastern world to come represent his, or signify and, and remember the symbolic nature of who Jesus is and was, which was he's a king. He was to be king forever, thanks to gold. He was was to be the high priest intervening on our behalf, thanks to the frankincense that they laid before the feet of the baby Jesus. And he would be the one who would die in our place one day. See, Christmas is about gifts. We know this from the first Christmas. We need to remember and I believe this Christmas, the wonder of the first Christmas, the awe of the first Christmas, which is wise men seeing a star and spending money, time, resources, whatever they had to seek Jesus. When's the last time you've given everything to seek Jesus? When's the last time you've given your best at the feet of Jesus. When's the last time your full focus and all that you could even think about and spend time imagining yourself being in the presence of Jesus? See, that's what Christmas really is about. It's the awe of baby Jesus, King Jesus. What gifts can you bring the King this Christmas? What gifts could you bring your Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, the one you've been told about, the one you've read about, the one you've heard the prophecies about, the one that you've been told about, the one that you've hoped for, the one that you've believed for. What are the gifts you could bring the King? See, Christmas today sadly has turned, and our pastor Chris tells us this all the time, the church and and American Christendom, let's be real, has become a modern therapeutic materialistic world. What does that mean? Well, everything's about me. Church is about me. Christianity's about me. Jesus is here for me to do what I need. It's this proverbial, I want something and I need it for me, 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 me. That's what we've turned church into. Come on. We come to church and if we don't like one thing, we're like, wasn't the best Sunday. It doesn't matter because church was never about that. It's about the king. 
See, as a pastor, and I pastor young people, it's one of the most disheartening and saddening, saddened, is that a word? It is now. Pastor Chris makes up words all the time. Actually, he doesn't. He just knows more words than us. It, it, it hurts my heart and it makes me sad as a pastor sometimes when you pastor young people and I'm using young people to make you all that are a little bit older feel better, but let's be honest, we all do this. Is we, we make it about community and church is about what church can do for me. And I just, I just you know, I, I wanna come and feel accepted and belong. And all those things are important in church community, don't get me wrong. But I think the last decade and a half, that's what we focus on more in the American church and less about coming to church because I come to worship the King. The reason I love Jesus is not because of church, you all. You all don't make me love the church sometimes. And vice versa, come on. I probably irritate you and you've irritated me and your neighbors irritated you and you haven't liked something that we've done at church or you wish we would do something at church, but guess what? Church is about the king. The reason I love church isn't because of the people. It's not because of the community. Those things are great. I love church because it's the bride of Christ. And I love Jesus, King Jesus, ruler of the world, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why I love it. Cause I love Jesus. I think we've lost the wonder a little bit of just loving Jesus. I think Christmas has become less about King Jesus and it's become more about everything else and all those things aren't bad, come on, I know that. But the Bible does say seek first the kingdom and his king, come on. And all those other things, they're not bad things, they're just not first things. What can we restore this Christmas season? A love for the king. Man, I love him. I love him with an everlasting love. Why? Because he loves me with an everlasting love. Come on. I love the king. Wow. Christmas to me is all about seeking the king. There's something more I could give him this year. There's a little bit more of my heart I could offer the king this Christmas season. There's a little bit more of my time and my resources and my energy that I could offer the King. There's always something more I could give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why? Because Christmas is about gifts. And I wanna give the King my best gifts. I'm gonna be like Pastor Ken this morning and I'm gonna read a little Christmas story. Amen. <laughs> you know what's funny is growing up, Um, Because Pastor Ken's my dad, and he would read this story. I would totally tune out as a kid. And he'd read them, and I'd be zoning out. I'm like, let's just open our gifts. And now my dad reads them, and I'm like crying in the front row. You know, like, oh my gosh, this is... And he's like, I've read that like 14 times during your lifetime. I'm like, I don't remember it. (laughs) Don't tune me out. But we have this great stage behind. If you get like distracted, just look at this cool stage. Don't forget to be here tonight um, for our awesome kids choir event. But so... Listen, it's, it's a short story, but it goes with the message this morning. Suppose you could give a gift to Christ. What would it be? How you possibly select a gift for the one who not only has everything, but who made everything. The wise men did. 
They can be an example to us. In addition to the gold and the frankincense and myrrh, they gave the Savior some gifts we can give him today. Their hope, their time, and their worship. The wandering wise men gave Jesus their hope. When everyone else saw a night sky, this small band of men saw the light. The sight of the star sparked a desire in their hearts that sent them packing. They went seeking Jesus. When night comes to your world, what do you see? The darkness or the stars? Hopelessness or hopefulness? Sometimes, just as he did so long ago, God uses the darkness to reveal his stars. The light shines in the darkness, John 1, 5 says. If your heart has been shadowed by the darkness of loneliness or grief or disappointment, look for the light that only he can give. I am the light of the world. The person who follows me will never live in darkness, but will have the light that gives life, John 8 says. Give God hope for Christmas. While you're giving, while you're giving give God your time. The wise men did. Before they gave God their presence, they gave their presence. It's likely that these men traveled as long as two years before locating the Prince of Heaven. Before that one incredible moment when they knelt before Jesus, the wise men spent many months and moments, perhaps years searching in anticipation for that meeting. Just as the wise men devoted themselves to seeking the Savior, so can you. You will seek him and find him when you seek for him with all of your heart, Deuteronomy says. And when they, find, when they did find him, the wise men gave Jesus another gift, their worship. It's probable that these men were of wealth. How else could they have embarked on an extended journey that still had gifts at the end of its journey? It's likely these men had influence. How else would they have commanded an audience with Herod? They must have had intellect. How else could they have navigated across thousands of miles of terrain following a star? Men of wealth, influence, and intellect, what do they do when they see Jesus? They fell down and they worshiped him. Worship, it's a gift that extends to the giver as well. Through worship, we come to see God more clearly. God invites us through worship to see his face so he can change our face. We all show the Lord's glory and we are being changed to be like him. This change in us brings ever greater glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit, 2 Corinthians says. He loves to change the faces of his children. By his fingers, wrinkles of worry are rubbed away, shadows of shame and doubt become portraits of grace and trust. He relaxes clenched jaws and smooths furrowed brows. In worship, we simply stand before God with a prepared and willing heart and let God do his work. And he does. He wipes away the tears. He mops away the precipitation. He softens our furrowed brows. He touches our cheeks. He changes our faces as we worship. The wise men sought the child of God just as God seeks his children. The father is actively seeking such people to worship him. The gifts of hope, time, and worship. Three gifts the wise still give. Church, this Christmas, what gifts are you gonna bring Jesus, the King? What are you preparing this Advent season to bring Jesus. Maybe it is hope. 
Maybe you've been discouraged this, this year. Maybe 2020 and 2021 have been the most challenging years of, of your life. Maybe you're going through something in your body. Maybe your family is, is dealing with, with tragedy or grief. Can I ask or invite you to bring the gift of hope? Don't be hopeless, come with hope. Why? Because King Jesus, he, he can do it. He can rescue you. He can redeem your life. He can heal you. He can satisfy you. Bring hope. Maybe for some of you, you need to bring time to Jesus. You've been spending time on everything else and you're exhausted and stressed and overwhelmed. Can I suggest that this Christmas you bring him your best time? Usually that starts with your first. Don't give him your leftovers or your hand-me-downs of your energy and time, but bring Jesus your first. And may I suggest all of us this Christmas season bring the gift of worship. I don't come to church to do anything other than worship Jesus. I worship him through song. I worship him through offering. I worship him through the listening and the hearing and the receiving and the responding of the word. I worship him, why? Because he is the King of Kings and he is due my praise and my worship and my adoration. And if I do anything this Christmas, if I do anything, I wanna offer gifts to the King. Would you stand with me this morning, church? What a beautiful, what a beautiful season we get to celebrate every year, the preparation of the arrival of Jesus. There, there's something special about this season, isn't it? Maybe there's a, there's a loved one in your home and in, in your family that needs Jesus. Let's believe this is the season that they come to know Jesus. Maybe there's a miracle that you need in your finances or your body or a restoration in your family. You know what? I, I believe anything's possible at Christmas. It's, it's that time of year that the world remembers. We remember why we're here and that's to worship and celebrate the King. Come on, I want us to sing with the worship team this morning. I want us to respond to this message through worship. Come on, offer God your praise this morning. Offer Him your best and let Him talk to you about what it is you could give Him this Christmas season. What gifts are you gonna prepare to give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this year? Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.